The other side of that, it's the worst Irish defensive performance I've seen in a long, long time. Aaron Smith, he's truly, truly wonderful player. He's one of the best players who's ever played the game. Subscribe to the Rugby Stream on the OTB Sports app now. Rugby on Off The Ball. With Vodafone, official sponsors of the Irish rugby team. We all belong to the team of us. Now then, returning to New Zealand 12, Ireland 23 in Dunedin yesterday. Just a fourth win for Ireland against New Zealand, but of course a first on Kiwi soil. That makes it four wins in the last seven, incidentally, against New Zealand. So the Maoris on Tuesday. And then Wellington for Test 3 next Saturday. Very happy to say Ron Nagara is with us on the line. Hello. Uh, first time, by the way, I've spoken to you on air since La Rochelle did their thing. So big congratulations. Amazing achievement. I presume you're taking some time to reflect on it and enjoy it and tell yourself what a great fella you are and all that kind of stuff. That's <laughs> uh, on to the next thing. Now, I think people in Ireland... Um, will struggle to understand in the fact that usually the end of the rugby calendar is the European Cup final, but for us it was uh, we had a dom- domestic game the following week, Leon away, which we managed to win, and then we needed to win that game to get into the into the top six, um, and as a result of that we went to Toulouse, and we were um, poor in the game against Toulouse, certainly in the first half, but then... Um, um, you know, we gave them too much of a lead and we got beaten by five points in the end. So it's kind of good in one way from a coaching point of view that you're finishing on a defeat. So it makes pre-season uh, a little bit more focused as opposed to the hullabaloo that went on um, after a European Cup final. But uh, a fantastic season. It was uh, hugely, hugely enjoyable. I think, um, yeah, that five minutes as a coach after the final whistle in Marseille will... Uh, will live with me for a long, long time. So it was hugely rewarding. But um, as you know, it sure goes on and um, looking forward to the season. So four wins in seven against New Zealand, the first on Kiwi soil. These are things, honestly, I thought we would just never be saying about an Irish team. It is an extraordinary achievement in many ways. The last couple of years and not least yesterday. Um, Yeah, but then the other side of it, why not? You can see the progress for a number of years. Um, and I think the way the game is going and how you know your opposition, um, these things should be happening. And I suppose the thing that strikes me after yesterday, within two minutes of the game, mm. you could see that Ireland are going to win this game. I think when you look at the final scoreline, you, you scratch your head a little bit in the fact that uh, with the quality that was in the green jerseys and the way the game was panning out, you felt... Uh, you know, Ireland should be an awful lot ahead, more ahead of, of, of these guys. But that's not to obviously disrespect what they did. They created history. It was uh, it was um, a very, very measured performance. But at no stage watching the game that I feel that the, that the result was in any doubt. And that's the biggest compliment you could probably give this uh, team. I think the intent was there. And um, it, it, it seemed... Um, watching it from a neutral's point of view, from an outsider's point of view, that uh, Ireland have this. Yeah. What were the big differences for you from Test 1? Um, I suppose, just, you talk about tiny margins at Test level, but the minute, I suppose, uh, 
you know, like kickoff receipt at the start of the game, Ireland Exeter, Gibson Park, a great, a great kick to the, to the 50. Uh, but just, I suppose, the kind of, um, the intent and the carry, Ireland looked hurt, stung by what they did in, uh, in Eden Park. And rightly so, Ireland were, I thought, uh, particularly off that day. And that happens when you give a team like New Zealand so many points that it's very hard to get your way back into the game. But like um, what Ireland did this Saturday was, I think they they were very accurate, and I think they they held the ball and they put this New Zealand team under pressure. And I think um, it's a New Zealand team that is very. Um, unsure of themselves, very unproven, with an awful lot of players that are, for me, uh, not not proven at, at super rugby level. Like, it's, it's, like, I think there's a responsibility sometimes with players when they're coming in, but, like, some guys that played yesterday, and I, and I would know a fair bit about them, would be, uh, I mean, a season or two into, into super rugby. That, that isn't really an indicator for, for thriving at test level. And you could, you know I mean, Leicester Fanganuku, who will be a fantastic rugby player, but, uh, you know, he learned uh, the hard way yesterday what yes. test rugby is about. I don't think you'll see him again in this series. And that's, that's tough on a young guy. Uh, but I think, um, you know, uh, Johnny was as good as ever seen him yesterday, I thought. I think his intelligence in manipulating the New Zealand backline was was very evident, and uh, when he's in that kind of form, uh, it, it, it uh, creates problems for the for the opposition. And, yeah, and that it, would... it it just goes to show, doesn't it? We've we've had a lot of conversations about Ireland's lack of depth in certain positions, but if Ireland's best players are fit and they're in the mood, and Johnny's on the pitch and in that kind of mood, then they're just a match for anyone on their day. Yeah, correct. But as you know, for winning that World Cup, they've got to do that Saturday, 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 which becomes very difficult uh, if you're not sharing the load at 37 years of age. So ideally, you need someone uh, stepping in there that can do an adequate job. But at the minute, we don't have that. Yes. It was Johnny going whatever, 72 yesterday. But there's still that nervousness, from my point of view, when he... Uh, when he's not, I suppose, running the show. But there was a lot of big games from from an awful lot of the leaders yesterday, uh, which wasn't the case um, the Saturday previously. So this Saturday, uh, New Zealand are hurting and it makes for a cracking third test. Mm. There was a moment early on at the breakdown, which had been much discussed, by the way, after Test 1, New Zealand's... Uh, Dominance really at the breakdown in Test One. There was a moment early on where Dalton Papali was pinged for I think going a bit beyond the rook. So Ireland seemed to do much better at the breakdown in Test Two. Was that because it was refed differently in your eye, or did Ireland pay more attention to it and get get to grips with what New Zealand were trying to do? I think there's a little bit of both. I think that's what skilled coaches do during the week. They understand uh, what pictures the. Uh, future referee is looking for and if we do it like this I hope this is what we get from you and once you have consistency in that area and it's very difficult because it's live sport with a lot of moving parts uh, uh, you could see most definitely uh, 
for me, probably with, a, with an eye on coaching, that there was some definite, uh, I suppose, trends that uh, Jakob Piper was aware of from both management teams, and it was refed accordingly. But that was obvious that Dalton Papli won, in yeah. the fact that you, you can't tackle like that at the, uh, around the rock that far. So uh, I think um, in the first case, in the first um, test, it was probably um, a bit of a free-for-all, and that's not having a go at Dixon. I just think that yesterday you could see that it was um, far more patrolled and two teams were probably um, officiated uh, at, on, on a neutral level. Mm. I mean, the real head-scratcher in this game and the worry, I suppose, in the game was at half-time when somehow Ireland were only three points to the good. They had been looking to go 17-0 up and then uh, Lowe dropped the ball when it was 6-4 v effectively in the backs and then New Zealand go up and score just before the break and it's 10-7 at half-time. I mean, if there's a, a period that the Irish team will review and, and be critical, self-critical of, it's probably that period I would put it to you that they go in only ten, three points to the good and only 10 points on the board after that first 40. Oh, I would say that was incredibly frustrating. You know, I mean, either from a player's point of view or from a coaching point of view, the fact that, as you say, complete dominance, a lot of decisions about kick to the corner, or take your three points, and obviously you have a lead, just keep the scoreboard ticking. Uh, but at 10-0, as you said, there was probably a, a hat-trick of opportunities to get to 17. Mm. Um, nil, which is a completely different game. And then... Uh, New Zealand probably didn't have much possession and the Bowden Barrett nutmeg of, uh, of Andrew Porter, like the, the sequence of events to lead to a try in 10-7, it just gives all the energy to New Zealand and Ireland have to completely start again. And then, uh, obviously, James Ryan is sin, sin bin, it's 14 against 14, it's New Zealand at home. It's easy for all these doubts to come back into your head, but uh, I think Ireland reset and they were mentally very impressive for the second 40. Uh, there was times, obviously, again later in the game where, uh, you know, a little bit of uh, more accuracy, you'd think of the pass from low left to right where he hit the, the man in the crowd with a missed pass, just probably picking off defenders there in Ireland, hold the ball and they build another phase. You know, I think uh, when they review it, probably today, they'll say, yeah, I think uh, we left a few tries out there, boys. Uh, Jakob Piper was busy. It was extraordinary in that first half. So the penalty try that wasn't the ring rose tackle. There was the high hit on Mac Hansen, the Fango Anku yellow card. There's the red card, which I don't think anyone uh, has any um, qualms with. And then there was the question mark over whether he should have reduced New Zealand to 12 players when scrums went uncontested a la Italy and the Six Nations. Uh, which of those decisions did you think he didn't get right? For me, the the Leicester Fanganuku is a red card. Yeah. Um, the uh, pass back inside when um, who was tackled? Ring. Ring rose. No, it was ring. ring yeah. That's for me as a penalty try. Yellow card. With the way the game is refereed nowadays, people have issues understanding. But like when you're in the in the game on the inside, all this is explained to you. You can't have much um, grievance with this. This is what the rule book says nowadays. So um, that, you know, I think Ireland were probably um, 
on the on the negative side of, of a lot of those decisions. Um, other than that, I think. Um, what was the third question? Yeah, sorry, Joe. Well, I think the red card everyone's happy with, and then there was the question mark over whether they should have went to twelve players when they went uncontested scrums. It happened to Italy in the Six Nations. It wasn't. Um, I guess it's not a major factor now that Ireland have won, but it was certainly a point made. Yeah, but I suppose, and I'm meant to be up to speed with all these rules and thing. I think you know, what I mean, along with the TMO or the referee on the game day, someone probably needs to have this rule yeah. as a matter of urgency in the test game because it is very, very, I suppose, easy to lose the plot and the fact that, yeah, a red card and then a yellow card and then an injury or a, or a yellow card to a front row forward. The rules are different about how you are uh, impacted. So you need someone calm probably because you could see the other example of it where, you know, in the New Zealanders, I think they made, well, it looked from the outside made an error in terms of uh, substituting Papali instead of Savea, but they wrote down number eight on their card sheet, which meant that Savea could not re-enter into the game, which I would think from an experience point of view, they wanted to keep Savea on the pitch. And uh, as the coach here, when you were watching Savea go off, did you think, oh, lads, 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 he can't come back on, I wouldn't do that? Oh, gotcha, straight away, it was... Like minute he crosses the the, the whitewash to go, it's done. Right, it's that's pressure, thing. isn't it? Like Foster's under a lot of pressure now, and that I was having a look at the New Zealand press, and that certainly has been used as one of the many sticks to beat him with. He is, I mean, I, I, do you suspect from what your sense of New Zealand rugby is, if he was to lose this series, could that be the end of his tenure? Oh, I think there would be uproar in the fact that obviously. Uh, especially the way that the first test went, but in their in their history, in their psyche, Ireland winning a test series in New Zealand, this this shouldn't happen, you know. But I think there's huge respect for for uh, for Irish rugby, but um, I would suppose it's the cumulative effect of what has happened on the Northern Hemisphere tour, backed up by. Uh, if it was to be a series loss, uh, when you go back through the history of their game and, and their test team, um, it wouldn't be a, a nice situation for, for Ian Foster to be in and, and, and uh, where they uh, absolutely love their rugby. Um, he would be completely under the pump. Yeah, big time. 1994, the last time they lost a series on home soil. So... When I said to you at the top, you know, it's hard to have imagined we'd been say, was saying things like Ireland winning on New Zealand soil or certainly uh, four wins in seven. I suppose in part that's because you're thinking of the great New Zealand teams and, and you referenced it, that this is not this New Zealand team. This is not the New Zealand team of 2005. This is not the World Cup winning editions of New Zealand that we're seeing here. There's a real sense now there that they're there for the taking. So assuming Sexton is fit, assuming O'Mahony is fit, and I think there's more of a doubt over O'Mahony. But assuming all the big guns are fit, uh, it's hard to think of uh, Ireland having a better opportunity than this to win a series in New Zealand. They, they, oh, yeah. You don't want to say they're there for the taking, but geez, they're as, they're as there as New Zealand will ever be. Oh, I would say by a long shot, you know, you compare probably what we, 
you know, remember most, you know, you look at a midfield of Carter, Nanu and Conrad Smith, you know, probably over 300 caps between them. Mm. This New Zealand team, and you look at the replacement bench, is completely inexperienced. It's inexperienced in terms of, uh, I suppose, uh, playing test games. Obviously, Sam Whitelock was a huge uh, loss for them yesterday, but like they have Retallick and they have Scott Barrett, yeah, experience. There's Sam Kane, experience. Ardi Sevilla didn't, well, he did play, but he didn't play yesterday. Dalton Papali is a rookie. Uh, Cody Taylor is uh, experienced, but uh, without Joe Moody, uh, Owen Franks, I think, has never been uh, replaced. You would have um, Nipo Laulala maybe potentially coming back on tight head. Uh, but in the back line, um, you know, Aaron Smith, there's Bowden Barrett, like, um, Bowden Barrett has never, I suppose, kind of from a goal-kicking point of view, I suppose, rubber-stamped his position at the 10. Who are they going to play? 12, 13, uh, 11, uh, 15, and I think they play several Reese. So there's a uh, huge, I suppose, um, debate about who should be in their team. With the New Zealand teams all down through the decades, there was probably certainty, and everyone throughout the world knew exactly who was playing but in this in this group or a squad they have um they it's very hard to call and you look at irish rugby and you look at leinster you know they're uh been so impressive and the dominant force and there's 12 or 13 of them that are the the backbone of the irish team when you look at what scott robertson has done with i think winning the Super Rugby for six years in a row, and I think there was probably six starters from only the Crusaders yesterday, uh, and one or two sprinkled among the replacements. So it seems to be that there's a, you know, what I mean, a lot of New Zealand players that have have no silverware at club level yet, uh, because they're in a black jersey, you expect different things from them. But yes. you you look at the analysis and the accurate analysis of them, they're there's absolutely no reason why you're not talking about you mean the south african team that that won a world cup or that have i suppose done a lot of things in the in the, in the international game yeah uh, 64 minutes herring comes on Bealham comes on keen healy comes on i i presume you were pleased to see that 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 just has to start to become the norm for ireland we can't have i presume our props playing into the 70 something minutes too regularly or if at all and they'll get huge confidence. I think, you know, what one of the lasting memories too of yesterday is Finney Bealham, Herring and Kean Healy and the scrum going forward six, seven metres. Yeah. You know, away from home, that's huge. That's, it's game over. That's like... We're set. It's the, but it just epitomises everything good about a group. You know, that it's not a tig and, you know, a tig is obviously so important to the team and it's not Porter but like I can do it too boys you know Finley Beelham I can do it I've arrived this is me mm. this I want to be part of this and that just that goes down incredibly well in in, in, a, in a squad because you're not going to win a series with, with a team Joe you need a group you know you need kind of you look at someone like not even a mention but like how Gutting was it for Keith Earls? Imagine the only change, and he's watching that. Yeah. Penny for his thoughts, you know, he yeah. would. Now he's got to kind of stay on, and hopefully he might get another chance. But these are the kind of, I suppose, the inner workings of of, of a great group. Mm. This is more of a general point. There was a a moment in the 
second half where on the Irish try line, Peter O'Mahony was getting in the faces a little bit of the New Zealand players and just that bit of niggle and, and, and bit of edge that he can bring. Talking to Keith Wood during the week, we were having a bigger conversation about Irish rugby and he was saying it's so important to bring through players from all over the country, uh, different backgrounds. Like Keith used the word, um, like he wants farmers in the team, you know, as well. He wants he wants all the many kind of disparate uh, personality types that make up uh, Irish sport, I suppose. Uh, you're a very modern day coach and you talk about the data and you talk about evidence and, you, you know, take an emotion out of it at times. But is it still for you very important when you see an O'Mahony in there who brings an edge, who, you know, is not afraid to get in their faces a bit when when play has stopped? As a coach, is that does that is that as important as ever in your view in the modern game? Oh, yeah, it is. It's so, so important, I think. And uh, I think it's more important if it's natural and authentic, which yeah. Um, we have to say is the case of Peter O'Mahony. It's not an act. Yeah. That's his normal personality. And I think that's very important because that would have been passed from probably, you know what I mean, uh, Golov, Woody, to O'Connell, to Quinlan. They'd pass it on to O'Mahony. O'Mahony would be trying to pass it on to, you know, the, uh, the, the, the new breed and the monster block that are coming through as well. And, but it's the same with Sean O'Brien. That's that's exactly what he mm. stood for. Presence in the back row is absolutely huge. You could see there was numerous, I suppose, moments in the game uh, when you know you either give energy to your team or you take energy from your team, and you've got to, uh, I suppose, celebrate that. But it, it be, I think, uh, when it's natural and when it's authentic and when it's necessary. There are some examples in the modern game when it's OTT and it shouldn't be done. But mm. like what was at stake yesterday, I think uh, Peter got the balance uh, perfectly between celebrating the kind of the, the win in the moment mm. and keeping the bigger picture. He couldn't take a backward step against Kane at that stage. They're attacking the line. The boys are under uh, no circumstances shall they pass and score a try. And basically, Peter standing his ground and. Uh, you know, it's easy for us watching on the TV, but when you're in the heat of battle and some fella has a, has an all uh, remark, it's natural to to chip back at him. Mm. You mentioned Sexton. We touched on Omani. Who were the best Irish performers, and or who caught your eye, or why? Um, and it's not an opt-out answer, but I thought the collective was very impressive. Sure. I, I just, I liked, I liked just. I think the intent from um, for, for, from Ireland in many aspects. I love the fact that uh, you know during the week uh, Paul was disappointed with the set piece, and that's not good enough for, for, for by us. And then uh, this is what we do Monday to Friday, and this is what we produce on a Saturday. Obviously, I'd be you know be particularly pleased for what, how the set piece went. Um, but I think it genuinely was uh, a 23-man effort. You look at the impact, Bundyaki, you know, I think him knocking over people, uh, coming off the bench, uh, the impact of the front row. Uh, it, it, it was um, a very, very uh, commanding performance because I, I actually genuinely believe, I think there's another gear or two in their phase game. I think Ireland will get huge confidence from the fact they'll have images to, to, 
to refer back to about holding the ball and seeing like if this is what we do because you know it brings into um into the arena the the debate about the man watching versus ball watching how many times is Ricky only at 13 caught from watching the man mm. and the ball going in behind him which is the biggest probably difference uh, between the northern hemisphere and the southern hemisphere, the, the the man watching in the in the southern hemisphere as opposed to the ball watching in the northern hemisphere, and and Ireland manipulated them really well in that regard. So, uh, you know, I think where Ireland have a huge advantage at the minute, it might be in the game management, understanding about how we set up teams mm. uh, to break them down. Mm. Well, if there think- is if there is an inclination in the New Zealand camp to watch the man then Ireland can have real joy there because certainly even first 15, 20 minutes in particular and, and, and it is it is Sexton to the fore and he's always he's never far from the centrepiece of the conversation but there are times where Ireland have pods here and pods there and options short and options out the back and people going at different angles it looks fantastic I mean it really does look as good as anything you'd see Yeah exactly Joe I think just to I suppose emphasise that where absolute consternation occurs if half of the All Blacks watch the man and half of them watch the ball. But both, both systems work, but you got to be doing everything. Everyone has to be connected and doing the same thing. So it's not to say one system is better than the other. It just, uh, it's an interesting development, I feel, that's, uh, that's, I suppose, coming into the game. But you can also see the kind of how breaking habits is difficult when you're under the under the yes. pump in a test match and you're being manipulated by Johnny Sexton. So you, you, you sense some of them are watching man and some of them are watching ball, two different systems at times? Um, the traditional system most definitely be we watching the man, yeah. but I think uh, from my time at the Crusaders, so many of them enjoyed actually watching the ball and the benefits you get from that. But uh, when you're on the outside, you're not, I suppose, all fair with the conversations sure. going on, but uh, it's, it's a fascinating development. Uh, the last question I had really was who, uh, you know, setting odds aside or whatever, who do you make favourites for next Saturday, third test? Um, a great question. I think um, um, for me, it's a scratch game. Hmm. I, I, you look at what happened in the first test, Ireland, I suppose, bitterly disappointed with the performance. I think Ireland will be happy with the performance uh, yesterday but I think they take huge confidence from the fact that I think they know they have another gear or two to hit with the uh, with the players they have what they will not want to do is give New Zealand the lead or momentum and then they become a very different side but you get New Zealand this current team into an arm wrestle mm. and it's very very possible well it should be a cracker listen we've taken up enough of your time the tan is coming along very nicely I can hear the seaside in the background Think of us stuck in the office today. You're just, you're living the dream. Enjoy. Uh, enjoy the break, actually. Uh, well earned, I'm sure. Come on. Thanks, right. Joe. See you. Speak soon. Cheers. Bye-bye. Rugby on Off The Ball. With Vodafone, official sponsors of the Irish rugby team. We all belong to the team of us.